We lost everything in 08. We went into foreclosure four times. My son, we only got him during the summers, so we had him like a month a year, live with his mom in Texas. He recently said, probably within the last year or two, he's like, oh, I always thought we were well off. And I was like, what are you, we barely could afford food. And he goes, because I had a new bedroom set every time I came to visit. And what he didn't realize, he would leave to go back to his mom's house. And the moment he got in the car, I was posting his bedroom set on Craigslist to sell it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today's guest is Eric Quinn. This guy is a beast. You're going to love him. He is an accomplished real estate investor, advisor, and the founder of Silverline Investments, Propnetics, and Connect for Home. We're going to talk about all of it. Companies, folks, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Silverline Investments is a company focused on acquiring and managing commercial real estate properties. He's got over 15 years experience, a wealth of knowledge and expertise in real estate investment, finance management, and we are getting them warmed up. Because in a couple of days after this, he's going to be on the Big Daddy on the Bigger Pockets podcast live in Denver with David Green, who we just had on this on the on this show. So, Eric, brother, always great to see you. It's great to see you. I don't know how I'm going to follow up David Green, man. That was a great episode. It was good, right? Yeah. So well, good, I mean, yeah. he just started going. You know, it was it was it was like he sat down. He was talking. The, the producer turned on the cameras and everything, and he's still talking. And if you listen to the episode, like seven minutes in, I'm like, we're recording, right? Are we recording? And then it was like, oh, okay, let me get into like podcast mode. But I actually like that better. Like we were recording before we started the the intro and everything. And it's just, it's like, it's like merging onto the highway, you know? Yeah, it's great. It's great. It makes any sense. Yeah. Anyway, let's get a little backstory from you. You're obviously a good abundance guy. You've you've ascended quickly, I think. And um, I love the way that you you think and how you see things and how you start big and all that. We'll get into it, but give us a bit of the backstory. Where from and what led you to the point where you are today? Yeah. So how far back do you want to go? I want uh, birth, man. So you were yeah. born in uh St. Pete, Florida. Uh, lived here for first 17 years, then Houston for a couple of years, and then Denver for 20. Uh, we actually just bought a new house in Florida about a year and a half ago. So we go back and forth. Um, very lots of kicks in the shins along the way, if you will. Uh, we lost everything about four or five times. Uh, there's times where I was so poor, I slept on a pile of clothes. Um, and but we we've always managed to survive and and pivot and make the best out of it. Uh, fast forward, call it 35, 36 years. Uh, five years ago, we sold our primary house, made about 180 grand, and put 100 grand on the new house, 100% debt free. Then took the other 80 grand for investing in properties. So five years ago, net worth was I don't know 150, 180 grand, and now we are here today. Wow. All right. You say uh, kicked in the shins, went bust. When's the last time you went broke? Uh, I guess it'd be your definition of going broke, like going to zero. Uh, it was probably 08. Uh, I, I took some huge bumps along the road the last 10 years as well. Uh, NFTs, crypto, bad investments, bad partnerships, um, all of the above. Uh, but going to zero is probably 08. What happened in 08? I mean, obviously there's the crisis, but give us kind of a, uh, your your version of that. What did you have and how did it go broke? How did it go bust? Yeah, so I uh, I was running 24-hour fitnesses. Uh, I was with them for about three years, worked my way from lowly, lowly sales counselor up to a GM. Uh, I made good money. When the economy started to shift, they fired everybody making over a certain amount of money and replaced us. 
Uh, I also was not on the best of terms with my DM. He had just become my new district manager. And I looked at my staff and I said, I got about two months, maybe three months, and then I'm gone. And sure enough, I, I was gone in three months. So I was actually, the, my last day was September 30th, 2008, because it's the day after my birthday. Uh, and I made okay money, but I spent even better money. So let's say I made 10 grand a month. I spent 14 grand a month. Um, I met my girlfriend, who's now my wife, two weeks later, uh, Jenny. And we, about a month or two later, we I was down to about 500 bucks. I only had $500 to my name. I didn't have a severance. I didn't have vacation, 401ks, nothing. Um, and so, yeah, the 08 was really, really hard. Really no doubt. hard. No doubt. What, uh, what was the beginning of you crawling out of that? What was the first step in you kind of coming out from 500 bucks up? Yeah. Up, excuse me. Yep. So we, um, I honestly don't know how I learned this. We did storage unit auctions. So it's the cliche story. Oh, I called 50 places. I didn't call 50. I called 48. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of them had auctions and stuff like that. Uh, but one, the last, the 48th one said 47, 48, whatever, uh, said we have an auction tomorrow. And so I showed up and, and I had no idea what I was doing, but I had 500 bucks. So I spent 450 and bought three storage units and had 50 bucks left for McDoubles because they were still a dollar, Taco Bell, which was like 69 cent tacos uh, and ramen noodles because and gas. Um, so I, I bought three storage units, made about two grand in two weeks. Uh, one of them was uh, nothing but prison letters and heroin needles and just, it was bad. Uh, and Jenny would love to read the prison letters. So, uh, and we just started clawing, right? At that time, we were negative 150 grand in, in credit card debt, car debt, student loans, you name it, plus the house um, and the market crash. So literally, I, I didn't have an option. So... Yeah, that's, that's built it did. up from there. What was the biggest, you said, kick in the shins over the last few years? You mentioned NFT, crypto, whatever it might be. So between between that sort of ascension back and today, what was the biggest setback that you saw? I mean, let's start with financially. What was the big setback financially that you saw? Do you recall? Yeah, yeah I'm glad you actually clarified that because I might go mindset on that one. Yeah. Um, financially, I think we've been really good. Um, I, I was we're very fortunate that I was able to go all in on my real estate career and, and take the gamble when we shut down the Craigslist business. Um, so financially, we've been okay. There's been some huge missteps, bad partnerships, and out of state investments, um, as well as the crypto. Um, you know, mid five figure to six figure losses, right? Mm-hmm. Like there, there were some definitely kicks in the shins, but. I look at it, I didn't go to college. So it's just a, a late blooming college education, if you will. Yeah. Um, so a lot of learning in it, but not necessarily anything that train wrecked us, right? Lots of self-doubt that that transpired through some well, of go that. there. So what was the biggest yeah. setback mindset-wise? You mentioned that. Yeah. So there was times where I was now that I'm looking back, I was specifically self-sabotaging, right? Like let's say, for example, the NFTs right? Last January, I knew as I was buying them before I clicked buy that they were going to go to zero. And yet I justified it in my head of, oh, it's only a thousand dollars. The creator needs it more than we do. We're supporting, we're helping, we're donating, whatever. The issue is, is when you do it a hundred, 150 times at a thousand dollars a pop, 
you lose a lot of money really quick. Wow. Right. Um, and, and the marketing, I let my, my, my FOMO, the fear of missing out and get sucked in as well. And, um, because what if for some reason it was this, this unicorn NFT that skyrocketed, right? Um, so it was, it was a lot of self-sabotage and, 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 and setting myself up to fail. Uh, What's the self-sabotage? Define yeah. that a little bit. What, 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 what were you sabotaging and why? Yeah. So I would say that a lot of it was the negative mindset or I'm not good enough. I don't deserve to be here. Um, if I make a mistake, will my wife still love me? Will my friends still be there for me? Right. So intentionally setting myself up to fail, to see if I'm by myself, if I'm mocked and stuff like that. And, and negatively the negative loop in my head saying, See, Eric, you're not smart enough. You knew this was a bad decision and yet you still did it. Mm. Why, you, you know, stuff like that. How do you, how have you, how are you mm-hmm. overcoming that? How do you avoid self-sabotaging again in the next month? Yeah. So uh, we talked about this the other day and, and it's a lot of self-work. It's a lot of who I hang out with. And there's something that I was saying um, about one of the companies we were launching and one of the ethos and mottos of it was, I'm going to believe in you, even if you don't believe in yourself yet, right? Mm-hmm. And it gets the biggest word. Uh, and you said something to me the other day. I was like, oh, crap. I need that in my life too. And, and I need that soundboard. And my wife's always been there. And there's been some really key and pivotal people in my life that have been there for me that have said, hey, you you got this and you can do this. And what's the worst that happens? Mm-hmm. And so now I try to reflect on that. Um, I've kind of converted Ed Milet, Milet's thing of the best version of myself. So what would the best version of myself choose in this instance? Um, and then I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, sure. but if I can continue making the correct decisions down the path, hopefully it, it goes to where I want to go. What happens if you don't make Nothing. the correct decisions for you though? Like what, what does that yeah. do to you? What is the, where do you go? Uh, you know, that's the, that's the part that I struggle with too, right? It's like, okay, I, you know, you continually, I continually, we continually course correct. We have epiphanies. We have um, moments where we can reflect and say, man, I could see it. I, I knew what I was doing, but for some reason I was stuck in my way. But how do you avoid the pattern from repeating? Like, how do you, what happens if you make another bad decision? Yeah, so I think that's a great question. I think for me, as I'm going through this process, right, because it's still learning. um, Every day, I'm just trying to be a little bit better. Um, I think as I'm making these decisions and I'm conscious of the decision I'm choosing to make, right? Like even when in my parenting, if I say, Oh, girls, you're making me feel this way. They're not making me do anything. I'm choosing to feel this way in the situation and the actions that I'm taking. So I, I'm reflecting. And even though I shouldn't eat the dessert or the whole dessert, and I choose to, it, that's my choice and that's my responsibility. And, I, and I'm okay with that now. Um, so definitely not perfect, but trying to make more good decisions than than bad, if that makes sense. It does. I had a, a giant Oreo cheesecake a little bit ago. And I was telling myself the whole time, I had a great workout this morning. I've yeah. eaten really well the last couple of days. I deserve the damn cheesecake. And it's funny, you could like 
I could see myself walking in and going like, not the right thing to do here. This isn't the best choice for you. But there was something about like, but I'm making it and I'll live with that. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but it was an, it's interesting to just sort of like observe yourself as you're going through it and then yeah. see what happens. It, and, and here's the thing. You still have to enjoy life, right? Like, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to be a professional bodybuilder. I'm not going to be a world-class Michael Jordan athlete, but it's just like Jesse Isler says, right? If what, a thousand or a hundred hours, 15 minutes a day, um, you're better than 95%. And I'm good with that. The other thing uh, that I just realized the other day, because I've been on this health journey as well, um, that there was a statistic that I think there's only there's more millionaires out there than there are people walking around with six packs. And so there's supposedly like 22 million millionaires and only was it 3000 or 5000 people that consistently walk around with a six pack. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll be 6,001 or 6 million and one or whatever, right? Like not there yet, but it's a process. So what, what is your Milet end of days DVD of your life? That's put in the player by, by whoever, Peter at the pearly gates. Like what is the, Hey, you want to see who you could have been? What is that? Who is that? How do you define it? What do you see? What's around you? What is that? Yeah. yeah. So at the end of the day, I can't get caught up to that. Right. Because I don't also don't want to set a standard that is unreachable, right? Because I want to enjoy the process. I want to enjoy the journey. If I want Oreo cheesecake, I'm going to have Oreo cheesecake, right? And maybe that is the best version of myself, right? Like who knows that that actually might be the best version because is it social media? Is it other voices? Is it other things saying, hey, this is what your best version is? Well, I, I am where I am today. So I would say that my best version today is better than I was yesterday and the days prior and tomorrow I'll be better as well. Right. So the best version of me long-term, I don't really, I don't really know to be fully transparent with you. So I don't have how do you know, on that. how do you know when a decision that you're making today mm -hmm. is impulse versus intuition? Now, I've struggled with this as well. Like, how do you, you know, like for me at the end of life, Mm -hmm. Who am I going to be? What's that version of me? What's the best version? I, I don't know. I, I just know who I want to see around me, mm -hmm. but I I've been struggling with this lately. What is, what is the, how do you know when a decision you're making is strictly impulse versus actual intuitive guidance telling you that you should go there? We have a visitor, by the way. I see that. I see <laughs> that. Uh, you know, for me, I'm actually taking time to step back and try to reflect a little bit more. Uh, I have an issue with FOMO uh, and and being very quick to the draw, if you will. Um, so I'm I'm trying to sit with it a little bit more. Uh, I was in Miami with a bunch of GoBros at the beginning of January, and it was a lot of personal reflection and just saying, "Hey, why don't you sit with this for a little bit and not respond right away? Mm. Why don't you take some time to process and really see where that's progressing for you, and is it?" A or is it B type situation? Interesting. Kind of what, yeah, kind of what we're doing. Yeah, you we we've been talking about no, yeah. saying no yeah. more often. That's been a back yeah. and forth discussion. Where yeah. are you on that? What does that look like? Is that kind of what you're going in through? Like sit yeah. sit on it for a second. Is that how you're deciding no? Yeah. So, but it's hard, right? Because just like the, <laughs> the conversation the other day, I was like, well, I'm going to be in Austin with you for the immersion. <laughs> I, I, I want you to be there, but I was like. 
I know what you're also trying to do, right? Like I understand that you're trying to, to, you know, uh, uh, be more present like me. We're in the same spot. We talked about it when you were down here. Um, but yeah, in May too. Yes, that's right. Yeah. But how, give me, give me some insight on the no process for you because I could use an update. So I am, I'm holding myself accountable and I live in integrity, right? So the prior commitments I'm honoring, uh, this first quarter has been miserable because I've been gone 50 out of 90 days or more. Um, I've been on a plane anywhere from one to four times a week. Um, but I'm now looking at it as, is this an opportunity that betters my family and myself? Is this something that I need to do? Um, is this a FOMO, but is it a rational FOMO? And then I have really, really smart people around me, uh, that I can use as a soundboard, my wife, you, my pod, uh, and there's some other critical people in my life that I actually, and I'm not afraid to be put in my place, if that makes sense, right? Because other people, other people can see things that I can't. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's really critical of who you hang out, out with, right? Like I have a very deep, trusted advisor advisory board um, because if I was left up to my own devices, I don't know where I'd end up. And your genius, I think, what what you're incredible with is what you just said a moment ago, like your willingness to hear and listen and get feedback. You're not from just me. I mean, from anybody like your your willingness to to sort of say, okay, let me absorb this and decide, you know, like, you know what? That's right. Or that doesn't really resonate with me or whatever. It's inspiring to me. Honestly, I love that part about you that you have that ability to sort of to sort of uh, 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 what am I saying? Adjust, adjust and adapt as you go. So Q2, what are your tights? This is maybe for me to hold you accountable to, like as we talk. But like, what? So you said, I, I, it's funny. I know exactly what you mean. Like, your 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 um, what's the word? Your sunsetting all of your commitments. And for me, that was like how many after five o'clock meetings I would have, like on Zoom or calls or things I'd commit to. Or somebody's got a podcast, but they only film at night because they have a job. And like, oh, okay, you only film at night. Now I'm saying I can't do it unless you've got a slot for me during the day, right? So I'm switching to that. But like for me, I'm trying to get down to zero nights after five having a commitment consistently. It's not like it's never going to happen, but just on a weekly basis, I want zero nights after five. And I'm I'm I might be there now that I think about it. No, no, I have one. I have one Monday evening commitment at 6 p.m. But other than that, uh, everything else is is not a commitment anymore. What's the what's the Q2 forward yeah. heights for you? So we're a little crazy, right? Like, you know, my family. Uh, and so we're getting very intentional on the calendar. We now have a weekly meeting every Sunday. Nice. Uh, we have a quarterly goal setting meeting, Jenny and the two, my two girls. Uh, and then we're doing an annual retreat for the four of us as well to set our goals and intentions and stuff like that. So my new schedule, it's very basic. It's very KISS philosophy, if you will. But from 5 a.m. to 10 a.m., it's me time. So I'm working out. I'm in the cold plunge. I'm journaling. I'm reading. I'm just with myself, right? Because ultimately, I think I think that's the most important thing to be. Um, yeah. And then from 10 to 12.30 is my zone of genius, my visionary. I can just be present and, and flow and, and figure out where I'm going with my businesses. And then from 1 to 4 is uh, meetings and fires, Right. Um, after four o'clock, we do family dinners, we do family walks, we do quality time, uh, meditations every night with our kids. Um, and so I'm being very intentional with that. And then I have the conversation with my kids, 
and I say, daddy's got to work this week or next week. Daddy's looking at this. My wife, uh, what do you think this is? Right. I thought she was going to say no to you in Austin. <laughs> and she, she was like, uh, no, I think that one actually makes sense. And I'm like, okay, okay, let's, we'll book that. And, uh, we'll get, we'll get that squared away. So it's, it's being able to trust other people's input. I don't have to take the advice, but just like you said, uh, our, our three big things are open, honest, and vulnerable. So we really try to uh, live that that credo, if you will. I'm looking right now for the questions that you and your family ask one another oh, on, oh. On, on a regular basis. So do you, I just dinner? share that if you don't mind. Yeah, I yeah, love them. We, we, we experienced this yeah. in in the DR when you were down here. We went to dinner yeah. with you guys, and we did we all did it together. So go ahead, explain what yeah. this is. I, I love this whole thing. Yeah, so we do this. Um, we're working on being more consistent. I would say I would love to hit three to four times a week. We're probably one to three now. Um, and it's our daily review. So each one goes around the table. Uh, and then these are the questions we ask. We ask, tell me what was awesome. Tell me where you failed. Tell me what you learned from failing. Tell me what you're thankful, grateful for. Tell me what you're proud of. Tell each of us one thing you're proud or thankful for about us. Uh, tell me how you are 1% better today than yesterday. Tell me what you want to accomplish tomorrow. And then tell me the steps you're going to take to get there. Mm. Yeah. So it's um, the other, the other, and this is off tangent a little bit, but to all you parents out there, um, I don't know where this came from. My wife just said it was my ADHD brain or whatever. One of the new things we're also doing is when the girls are quibbling or arguing, we say, stop, hold hands. And so we make them hold hands, look each other in the eye. And we say, hey, three things you love about the other person. Do they do it? Oh, every time. Wow. Now, now it just gets to the point when they're arguing or quibbling, we say eyes or hands, one of the two. And it, they immediately stop. They hold hands, stare at each other, go through the process, and they get Usually the first one to maybe two are, they're still a little pissed, right? And then by the third one, it, it de-escalates and, and, and they're much more present and loving with each other. So we're turning into this kind of hippie, hippie love fest uh, family, if you will. No, it's great, man. It's inspiring you what you and your family do together. We've been talking, my wife and I, Sylvia, have been talking a lot about this with our kids, just you know, how we, how, how our own traumas show up in how we parent our kids, right? The, the reactions that we have, the, the, um, oh, what's the phrasing? She just sent me a video on this. I was watching it yesterday. The, uh, 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 gosh, the hell is it called? The, the, the leaning on somebody, uh, not, not codependency, but there's a phrase for it. I can't think of it right now, but there's these four or five different psychological principles that are developed in childhood. And, you know, it's like a Louis CK, but sometimes you look back and you go like, oops, uh, there's, you know, there's 20 years of, of, uh, of, of therapy that I just put in my kid or whatever. So, so we're working okay. on that. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. So this one might mind bend you a little bit. I don't know if you want me to curse or not. So I, I caught okay. myself cool. there. Uh, so my, my mind fuck say my yeah, fuck, my, my fuck to say. a little bit go for it yeah um again the go bros in miami train wrecked me right and in such a loving amazing way and i was upset with a situation we have a 21 year old son as well right yeah and so we're dealing with all these struggles and, and everything and and they said hey eric we just need you to sit with this for a minute 
We don't want you to respond. Um, but could it be possible? And they were very loving when they did this. Uh, could it be possible that you're projecting and mirroring how you feel about yourself onto him? And I, and I sat there for a little bit mm -hmm. and I said, oh, man. I don't feel like I'm living up to my potential. I don't yeah. feel like I'm working as hard as I could. I don't feel that I'm, I'm, you know, whatever. Uh, and all these things that I would not necessarily bombard or say directly to my son, but I'm like, Hey buddy, why are you happy being mediocre? Like you could do a lot more with your life if you want. And, and he's like, well, dad, you'd always say that it's my journey and I'm happy. I don't want to live your journey. And it, it never clicked for me until those guys said, Hey man, might be mirroring and projecting your own life and your own insecurities and, and only focusing on that with your son. And I'm like, Oh, good grief. So I've been very um, present with that as well. Um, and, and reflecting on that one and, and journaling quite a bit. It's hard, man. It's fucked up too, because you know, like, I, I, and this is me. I know I'm sure this is you. It's probably every abundance guy for that matter, but it just takes like 87 whacks with the hammer on the head for it to finally land. You know what I mean? Like that's, if I had a frustration of me, like looking at it from the outside, you know, if I could watch the the video of my life, it's like, dude, how did you not hear that 12 times ago? Right. Like how, again, it, it, they just said it, Jesus Christ, you know, like the whole way I would just be continually walking through like stop signs and and not even walking past them, not seeing it, but like stepping on them. Like, why is the stop sign? I mean, we're bending it to the ground, right? Until yeah. something like that, yeah. a few guys. And this is honestly, this is, it frustrates me. And I'm I know it frustrates Sylvia. Like she has said it things and it doesn't land until you say it or go abundance guy says it. And right. she's like, well, what the I've hell? Been saying that, yeah, right. I've been saying that, and we all have that. I mean, every guy doesn't listen to his wife fully until they hear from their buddies, and every wife doesn't listen to their husband until they hear from their girlfriends or whatever. But that the it it blows my mind how much I have done that. I know you have as well. Where it takes it takes years and you know just blowing through red flashing lights before you get it. Does that land with you? Oh, hundred percent. When the other side of it is, I we justify it because we hear these things of, oh, the universe will tell you when you're prepared <laughs> to listen. And I'm like, that's just an excuse. Why wasn't I listening before? Yeah. Um, but I do agree with it because how many times do we do something? And just like you said, we've heard it a million times, but it finally clicks, right? Yeah. Or I finally get it. Um, and I, I, it's you know the repetition, staying on on point, staying the course, and always uh you know kobe bryant being the best version of yourself and and stuff like that if you will Shameless. you should you should name something after kobe uh, just I thought should, i should, should not do that that was a, that was yeah i wonder if they have a legal team or not they might they might i uh i've heard a story one story about it but anyway um it's funny about I, I like the question is it something that you see in you and it's i mean it, obviously it is um i love how they asked it though like Consider for a moment, could it be? Because it's another way of saying, hey, idiot, this right. is you. You're reflecting. Yeah. Hey, like, pay attention. <laughs> yeah, stupid, right? My my oldest son, uh, he gets like, like oh, school stupid, da, 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 da. And, you know, I, I get in this mode of getting upset. It's like you're you're focused on the gap. 
not on the gain. And I'm, yeah. I'm like all over him uh, being more grateful for what he has versus not, you know, lamenting what he doesn't. And I try to share, like, let's look at, th- look at these people, look at these kids. Remember that house we went to in Detroit yeah. when we delivered Christmas presents or whatever, ah, you know, but, right. but there's a lot of that in me, right. Just not, not, not being grateful for what I have and always charging. But like the moment we moved to the Dominican, I'm like, okay, now what, now what's the right. next thing? Let me take some photos. Sure. Post them. Looks good. Good outward facing look. But then now what, what's the next thing? You know, and that, oh, I totally know. Cause I'm struggling with that right now. Right. Like I I'm with my family eight to 12 hours a day and I'm like, what else do I need in this world? And so yeah. it's that struggle to continue to chase and continue to be present and continue to build and grow and um, build whatever it is that life throws at me. Um, you're absolutely right. And I think it's in our DNA that, that, Truthfully, I think the internet was the greatest invention and the worst invention of all time, right? Sure, sure. It, it, it's the same way I feel about AI. It's going to change everything, but it's going to train wreck a lot too. Yeah. Um, but we're both in it, right? Like you have to go in. Um, and, and I don't want to call it chasing shiny objects, right? But it's also what propels us to these new heights. Because if I didn't chase the shiny objects or learn about new things, where would I be? Yeah, it's hard, man. Like, so I I went through my own event down here that I hosted. I went through it with everybody, the people that I hosted. And one of the questions at a certain point as we're going through the weekend, I don't know if I told you this or not, was, you know, okay, so flash forward to the end of life. um, uh, What do you want to see? Mm -hmm. Right. And it was like, I mean, my wife and my kids, well-adjusted, you know, adults and all of that, hopefully at that point, right? Like, that's kind of it. Like, Mm -hmm. that's it. Like, I don't want to see my one sheet. I don't want to see, you know, like friends and acquaintances. Like, I, I mean, I love them all, but I want to see my wife. I want right. to see my kids. Like, that's it. So it's two things kind of popped in at the same time when I when I realized that. One is, um, when do I align with that? Like, it's always like later. And the second is that I think all of us, I know I do, when I think of end of life, you've got gray, old, 87, 93 or whatever. But what if it it's be, next week? Right. It could be right now, right? Like, right. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. And and I feel like sometimes, for example, this health journey I've been on, right? I feel like I'm a hypocrite because if it really is the most important thing, well, my actions say otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I've gotten a little bit of that more under control and I've made huge strides and huge progress, but it's still a work, uh, a work in progress. Um, and so when I look at this end of life, like you were mentioning, I see my wife, I see my kids, I see the grandkids, maybe. Um, I always thought I was gonna die at 40. So I'm past that now. So now I don't know what to think about. Right. Um, And, but then I also look at these legacy planning things, right? Like if this company or any of these things that I'm trying to work on and doing, I shouldn't say try, I am doing um, goes according to plan. My whole goal is to be the wizard of Oz. I want to be the man behind the curtain that nobody knows. Right. You don't need to know my name, but I want to be able to create that ripple effect of positivity in a world of, of negativity. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I can see that, but at the end of the day, if I'm not a good husband, if I don't love myself, right? Like, I think that really was what it boils down to. If I don't really love myself and and take care of myself, honestly, nothing else matters, right? How can I be a leader? How can I be a father? How can I be a husband? Um, if I've let the inner demons win, if that makes sense. What derails you then on the health journey? What is that inner demon? 
what takes yeah. you off course. If it's important to you, if you know it is, you feel it is, it's, it's, yeah. it seems to be something that you really, 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 and you did, you've lost a bunch of weight recently. I know you, you know, you've put a lot of focus on it, but what yeah. derails you? Yeah. So I'm down 40 pounds, uh, since October 1st, a huge, huge accomplishment yeah. there. Um, so what derails me is it's funny. It, it's very similar of, I know I shouldn't do something, but yet I still do it. And mm. I think it might be related to the ADHD and the dopamine hits and this and that, and that I'm just recently discovered and, and going down those rabbit holes. So I don't want to use that as a crutch or a victim, right? Cause I'm hundred percent responsible for that, but I love to graze. Right. And I'm still super frugal. Like, so for example, at the super bowl, we ate at home. We didn't watch the game or anything like that, but out back, I ordered my steak and veggies. Like I should, right? But mm. then they had the special is 57 wings for $57. How do you pass up on dollar wings? Uh, and I should have passed on dollar wings, right? <laughs> uh, uh, so I justified it and, and because it's a dollar a wing. Uh, but then I also, when I made that decision, I said, hey, Eric, instead of eating 30 wings at one time or 40 wings at one time, let's go ahead and just eat 10. And then you can eat 10 the next day and then 10 the next day and space it out. Right. Instead mm. of it being just so gluttonous. Um, and I graze, right? Like the food I'll walk by and I won't even be hungry and I'll just eat, uh, cause I'm emotionally eating. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's really triggering it. Uh, mm. I quit smoking. And when I quit smoking 12 years ago is when I started to gain a lot of weight. So I think I traded one vice for another. So now I'm trying to trade the eating and the negative on that side with the working out. Um, and then I'll try to balance that out as well, if that makes sense. So I'm a little it more does. aggressive than I should be right now on the health, but I need to get to where I want to go and then I'll maintain and level out. I get it. I get it. Something that you're very passionate about is changing lives. So propnetics, tell me about this business that you're building, this business that you're starting. Give me, yeah, give me the ins and outs. What are you, uh, what are you looking to build here? Yeah. So Propnex is a new name change. We just rebranded. Uh, and so that's been fun. We were supposed to, you want to tell that story. Can you tell that story? Uh, I haven't signed any NDAs, so I guess it depends on admitting fault or not. So So let's, let's do it this way. You had the name. I'll do it this way. You tell me, we can edit this out. You had the name, uh, that, that sort of, uh, referenced, that referenced uh, uh, an athlete, but was not a name that was patented by said athlete. That right. athletes, um, whatever, well, let's just go search, yeah. found it so, and, yeah, yeah. and didn't, so, li- didn't like it. Yeah. So what's funny, though, is it wasn't even that name. So uh, uh, right. Mumbality, right? Mumbality and Mumbality Reality. Mumbality Reality is was the nonprofit. Mm. Uh, and so I went to go and federally trademark it. Uh, and Mamba mentality came up and they were not very happy. I, I didn't think it was Kobe serious. Bryant's organization. So, yeah. The estate. The of late Kobe Kobe. Bryant. Yeah. So the estate emailed, um, and I thought it was just a generic email and then it got progressively worse. Uh, one email turned into an email a week to two emails a week to three emails a week. Uh, and so it got very serious, very quickly. Uh, and then my, my attorney will, have to be careful with what I say. I no longer have that representation. So I actually self-represented started three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Uh, and it's been wonderful. Like it's actually been wonderful. I, I, I've dealt with uh, the estates attorneys pretty regularly now. Uh, and they've been, I, I had the simple conversation of you can bury me. Even if I win, even if I'm right, you will bury me in legal costs. Mm-hmm. So it's 
do I want to die on this hill for no reason or do we pivot? And so we pivoted. Um, and, and their whole thing was actually not the Mumbality, it was the Mumbality reality because it sounded too similar to Mamba mentality, mm. uh, which is interesting. And I trademarked uh, clothes, coaching, and financial. I, I did three trademarks with it. And so they were adamantly against the clothing production which mm. uh, and the coaching because evidently they have um, – a, okay. a coaching organization. So anyway, so that was supposed to launch. Uh, and then with all this, we, we, we pivoted to Propnetics. It's a real estate brokerage. Uh, so I'm trying to change the game in real estate, right? Like I'm, I'm trying to be the first subscription-based real estate brokerage. I want to keep as much money in the agent's pocket as possible. So what does that mean? Can you, I'm sorry, just as not a guy in that industry, what is a subscription-based real estate brokerage versus yeah. whatever it is today? Yeah, so so they'll pay pay a, a flat fee a month type situation, and there's different plans. It's on the website. And no I matter what I, they sell, like they sell a property, yeah. they just pay a flat fee. Yeah, so wow. they can either do a per transaction flat fee, or they can do a flat fee monthly rate that's ridiculously cheap. So let's say, for example, if they're at a big box brokerage, it's usually a percentage of their commission, uh, and there's usually caps. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes there is. Um, with me. On one of their plans, the most they'll pay me is six grand, right? It's 500 bucks a month, um, as opposed to paying 30, 40, 20 grand a, a year. So I'm trying to change it. The other thing is, is I'm really embracing this whole life success. So we want to, it's very go abundancy, right? Mm. It's on the pillars. So as we're growing and expanding, we'll have personal trainers on staff, we'll have nutritionalists, we'll have psychologists, we'll have a real estate coach, right? And then they'll be all free for the agents. Um, I really want to people to focus on what success means to them. It's not always financial. It, it's whole life, right? So I don't care if you make 10 bucks a year or a bazillion dollars a year. It's really about the, the journey and the whole life of it. So we're, we're really trying to focus on that. And then we'll parlay that into a nonprofit. That's one of the things that I'm working on saying no to uh, and deferring that towards probably the end of this year instead of trying to launch everything at once. So, yeah. You're saying no to, to launching it right away. You're saying Correct. so launch yeah. Propnetics and then launch the not-for-profit later. Yeah. Correct. Yep. yep. Got it. What's the, what's the threshold on that for you? Cause it's a low cost as far as you go, like meaning, so you're looking at like kind of almost, I mean, I'm seeing it and tell me if I'm wrong, almost a planet fitness model. Um, uh, there's a lower subscription fee. You have a lot of benefits of it. I mean, the Planet Fitness has everything every other gym has, and maybe then some for that matter, classes, this, that, and the other. Um, but it's not gouging you, and there's there's uh there's a a good quality product available to them. Am I understating yeah. it? Yeah, no, that, that's pretty pretty spot on, right? So so then that's the thing is that there's this huge outlay up front, right? Like you got to build the building, you got to furnish the equipment, you got to all do this. And then it's a lost leader, right? So I think my break even is many, many, <laughs> it's far down the road, um, yeah. but we're playing a long-term game, right? So I'm okay losing, losing, learning right now until, until we hit, right? And even when it hits or goes big or fails miserably, right? It's all going to be progressional and progress and learning throughout, throughout it all. Um, so it's, it's okay. It'll be fine. You're getting pushback? From other agents, from other brokerages? Mm, I'm sure I will once we actually fully launch. Uh, I'm sure there'll be another. Uh, yes, I'm sure we will get pushback. Uh, we, we've we gone, gone from zero agents. We don't have very many right now. We're only at 12. 
Um, but we haven't advertised, we haven't done anything yet. And it's just been a simple conversation of when I was doing a transaction with another agent of, oh, they're like, what are you working on? I'm like, oh, this new brokerage. And they said, tell me more. Um, so the buy-in has been really good on the name change. For example, the name change was not cheap, right? Like I've got all this money in websites, signage, whatever. Um, and I had an agent that had just switched over and he had spent, I want to say $600 in signs and business cards and some advertising materials. And I went to him and I said, Hey man, this isn't fair for you to pay. This is, this is on me. You signed up for a brokerage and three months later, you have to change everything uh, because of some of my missteps. So I'm going to go ahead and and pay for, for everything that you've already got into this company, right? Because mm-hmm. it's just, it's just the right thing to do. Doing the right thing is always the right thing, even when it sucks. Yeah. Uh, and he looked at me and, and, and honestly, Jamie, I think I, he had paid me maybe 300 bucks total, right? So I was totally losing money. Uh, maybe not even that. And he looked at me, he goes, Hey, Eric, just so you know, since I switched from X, Y, Z to you, the first transaction, I saved $9,000. I can afford the 600 bucks. I appreciate the offer. Thank you. But I got you. Right. And it just clicked. Where else would, would somebody say, no, man, don't give me 600 bucks. I, I got it. It's fine. Right, right. Um, and so I, when that happened, I knew we had something special and we'll see how it goes. Right. How many transactions has Propnetics slash Mombality done up to this point? Yeah, not a lot. So very, very infancy. Um, sure. I, I think probably less than 30 altogether. I'm probably as oh. an agent, I'm probably at a thousand. Right. Yeah, um, sure. But, but Propnetics itself is, is brand new, brand new. Like, In that 30, anything revealed that you didn't anticipate given the model that you have? Mm. any cost you didn't anticipate for the agency any any yeah. any i don't know lack of quality on the broker interaction with the customer I, i'm curious is there anything that you've yeah. seen that you that's you know like oh I, we didn't expect that yeah so i would say the time handholding and learning new systems um i need to be able to delegate and set up better learning for agent onboarding and learning the systems and stuff like that so i'd say on the agent side nothing uh, maybe some learning curves on new software and systems because we custom built everything out. Um, so that way, that was another learning experience, right? We we hired one website company. We spent six months and tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, they said they could do what we wanted and they couldn't. Mm-hmm. And I had already dropped, you know, quite a substantial on it. And so we had to pivot and that was another four month delay. So it's learning the new systems. Um, I think, the other negatives is we're trying to do this fully virtually, right? So it's a complete remote brokerage, which is fantastic because it also lowers my overhead as far as office space and stuff like that. Um, now I do have a private real estate team within Propnetics that will have office space that will be open to Propnetics sure. uh, agents. But I think that might be a little bit. So I'm working on trying to the the team building and the morale and creating the culture and the the not necessarily family, but those kinds of things. Um, so that way it's, it's a community buy-in because I want raving fans, right? Like if these agents love where they're at and they love what they're doing, well, they're going to tell other agents and then hopefully they, they migrate over, right? Like, yeah, look, I was going to ask that, what, what, what would you tell, what would you say no to you on? Meaning like an agent out there that you say to them in a year, six months, whatever, as you start to get momentum, why would an agent not 
come over to Propnetics? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know, truthfully. So, okay. so I was at a brokerage that was a low cost brokerage. Uh, it was a small transaction fee. Uh, gosh, this was probably, I started there. I was there for six, seven years. I loved them because it didn't cost me that much money. So I think the most I paid them was like 12 grand a year, if that. Um, and I had somebody say, Hey, I think you should switch to me. And I'm like, I'm not going to pay your splits. Uh, and they said, what if we do this, this, and this, and it was a higher monthly, but some of the perks were good. And so I said, okay, let's try it. Um, and it changed everything for me. So I, I can't see why somebody wouldn't switch unless it's, I've been with this brand for so many years. I don't want to rebrand everything. Um, the other thing is, is propnetics. I got no, I have no ego in this game. So when you switch to my brokerage, I want you to build your own brand, right? I want you to do Jamie sells wherever or whatever your website is. And then I just want to solve small powered by propnetics or whatever state legislature requires, right? <laughs> we have to do disclosures there, whatever the state requires on that. Um, but I don't want to be Keller Williams. I don't. Um, they built a wonderful business and brand. I don't care if anybody knows who Propnetics is. I just want to give to the agents. You do think big though. So what's the big vision on this? What's yeah. the what's the BHAG? Yeah. So 500 agents by the end of this year. We're at 12, wow. right? Okay. So that's a big number. Yeah. Uh, the average brokerage, I think, uh, onboards one to three a month. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're going 50, 60, 70, hopefully. Uh, and 5,000 agents in three years. We're going national. So we're currently in Colorado. Uh, we'll be opening in Florida here shortly. And then five other states is kind of the goal. Maybe more. We'll see how that progresses. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And what's um, what's the big why for you on this? So it's the give back, right? So there's days that I absolutely love real estate and there's days that I hate it, right? I'll, I'll be very transparent on that. Um, but what I can do with real estate, I believe real estate is the greatest way to build wealth. And so if we can help these agents be the best versions of themselves, that also carries into their clients, right? They're a better version of an agent to their clients, which creates a better experience and, and more joy, hopefully. Um, and then what I would like to do is parlay the model that we're working in the brokerage into this nonprofit Um Kind of, I'm using the brokerage to kind of test it um, as far as this whole life success mentality on it. And then once the nonprofit goes, I have very, very, very grandiose goals there too, right? So I need the brokerage to absolutely destroy it and crush it because I want to self-fund the nonprofit. So um, I, I needed to do big things. It will. It absolutely will. I have no doubt just the way, again, the way you think your resilience, your story is incredible. Um, I wanted to ask about, you know, you said five years ago, you pay, you sold your hundred or your house made 180 grand, hundred on another house and 80,000 started to invest in how five years later, you're sitting in the champion chair and go abundant. So what is your investment philosophy? What are you doing? How did you accelerate your, your net worth that yeah. quickly? Yeah. Uh, so I went all in on myself, right? So in GoBundance, it's, it's, I might be controversial here, right? Like I went all in on my business and all in on myself. Um, every year for the last, uh, last year I took it last year off. So it wasn't as whatever. Um, but I doubled and tripled my income for like four years straight. 
And every penny I made, I parlayed back into real estate or other investments. And that turned out to be pretty good so far. Every penny over what? I'm curious. Like every penny over what amount? Like what's your what's your nut to live monthly, if you don't mind sharing that? Yeah, and then, no, I'm open, honest, vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, so not with business right, right? So that's the question is go abundance of business write-off. Is it personal? It's a business write-off for me, yep, for me sure. Um, so we have two houses, so it's a little bit higher than I'd like, but we're right about 14 to 15 grand a month, uh, in, in personal expenses. Some months are a little bit less, some months are a little bit more. Uh, sure. we just, it depends on my spending habits on if I buy a cold plunge in a sauna, right? So, <laughs> For instance. Yeah. So, yeah. Gotcha. So every dollar above that goes in. Now you're, yeah. you, for me, so you say you went all in on you and your business. Tactically, what does that mean? What did that look like? Was that a financial investment, time investment, both? It was terrifying is what it was, hmm. truthfully. So we lost everything in 08. And there was times where, like, I think I've told you the story before. My son, we only got him during the summer. So we had him like a month a year, he lived with his mom in Texas. And so he recently said, probably within the last year or two, he's like, oh, I always thought we were well off. And I was like, what do you, we barely could afford food. And he goes, because I had a new bedroom set every time I came to visit. And what he didn't realize is that he would leave to go back to his mom's house. And the moment he got in the car to go to Houston, I was posting his bedroom set on Craigslist to sell it. Right. Um, and so we went into foreclosure four times with that house. And by the grace of God and the universe, we were able to save it, loan modifications, this, that, whatever. Um, and so Craigslist had literally saved my life. It saved our life, right? We, there's times we didn't have couches or tables. Um, I think I mentioned this earlier that at one point when I was like 20, 18, I was, I was so poor that I had to sleep on a pile of clothes. Um, and so I told Jenny that uh, when we were dating, I said, hey, I promise you, you will always have a bed to sleep in. So the only thing that was not for sale in our home was our bed. That was it. Everything else, free game, like silverware, plates, dishes, did not matter. Everything was for sale. Um, so Craigslist saved our life. And when I made the decision in, I want to say it's either 16 or 17, I'd have to go back and look, to completely shut down Craigslist and just walk away. It terrified me, man. It was... What what did that look like financially? If you don't mind me asking, where were you? What did you have financially? Yeah, so, so we we're uh, write-offs, right? We we're self-employed as a cash business. Uh, so I will say that our ROI was four hundred and forty-three percent. Okay. We, I mean, we were we were doing well. I mean, we made probably anywhere from one hundred and twenty to two hundred grand a year in cash, right? Wow. Uh, and then deductions, whatever, right? Um, so. It was terrifying, but we had transitioned from storage units to restaurant equipment. We'd buy restaurants at auction and, and tax sales and stuff like that. And it got to the point where I got tired of moving 500 pound refrigerators by myself, right? Everything was me. I tried to do partnerships and it didn't work very well. And so um, it was really, really hard. And so one day I looked at Jenny and I said, it was actually the middle of January. And I said, by May, I'm done. We're just going to go all in on in, in real estate. It's going to give me five months to close down because I had a 20,000 square foot warehouse. I had crap galore, right? Like 
it was it, I full full business. And so between January and May, I sold like three houses, right? It's not a lot of money. It right. is not a lot of money. And Jenny's like, are you sure you want to do this? And I said, nope, well, let's do it. Let's see what happens. Uh, and so I, I walked away. And then from June till December, I sold 50 houses, wow. right? It's just, it was magical. I there was, I had never made that much money in my life up to that point. And there's a couple months where I made, you know, six figures in a month in commission. And so that radically changed our life to where then I could invest more and parlay more. Um, and our monthly overhead wasn't always 15, call it 15 grand a month. It was probably closer to like six, seven. Um, just recently, we've gotten a little bit more expensive. So we we live very frugally yeah. for a long time. Um, so, yeah. Well, okay. This is, if you don't mind, I want to unpack this a little bit. Yeah. So you, you shut down a, a Craigslist business that's paying you six figures annually. You got your real estate license, you're starting to sell homes, but you, you sell barely any at the point at which you closed down the business. What was your cash reserve? Like not even number, but like how many months, how, how long could you sustain if you didn't make a dime? Not a lot. Uh, so I had actually, so before then I had my real estate license for about five years prior. So I've been licensed for about 10 now. I just wasn't using it. I using was a part-time right, yeah. agent, whatever, right? Um, I would say, I can actually tell you the number we had. It was probably less than 20 grand. No shit. Total. So you had three months. Yeah. And yeah. what gave and credit you, cards. Credit what cards. Well, what gave you the, what gave you the, like, what was it that told you do this? We talked about intuition, impulse, all that stuff. Like, what what was it? Do you remember what it was? The moment, like, was there a moment where it's like, I shouldn't be. Everything on paper says I should not be. No, I'm not sure. But fuck, I gotta. Like, what was that? You know, I, you're absolutely right. I can't think of the exact moment. I think it was just one of those things where, crap, it's time to pivot. It's time to pivot. Like we did, we did storage unit auctions for a long time. Yeah, and um before the TV show, right? And there came a point where we had a thrift store. And with this thrift store, then the TV show came out. I was like, we need to pivot this and we got to figure it out. And and I'm a big believer in going through the doors that may or may not open. Um, and I had a friend, he was one of my parents' friends. And he, he called and he said, hey, are you still selling stuff on Craigslist? I'm like, I am. He goes, great, I need you to come to the warehouse. I have restaurant equipment. So I've never sold restaurant equipment before. And he said, well, you can sell, you know how to use the internet, right? And I'm like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> uh, so he actually supplied, he's a huge stainless steel manufacturer. And so he had all this restaurant equipment that was brand new and it was all three to five years old and he can't sell it because his, his customers only want brand new from the factory within like six months because of warranties and stuff like that. Wow. And he said, hey man, I need you to, to sell this stuff. Uh, and I was like, I've never done it before. He goes, look it up on the internet, whatever you see as the MSRP mark for 50% off, and then I'll pay you 20% of what you sell. I said, okay. So I did about a hundred thousand dollars in sales, uh, very quickly. I want to say it was within six weeks. It might've been 90 days or whatever, but I made a ton of money and I looked at Jenny and I said, we're not selling couches anymore. We're going to sell equipment. So that then we pivoted into that. And so there's just been these opportunities that, if I pay attention, it's what, like Tony Robbins says, right? What if the world is working for you and not against you? 
Um, and I've just been dumb enough to try. Um, and it hasn't always won, right? Like it's not always been cupcakes and sprinkles. Um, I mean, we were in foreclosure four freaking times. Mm. Um, but I, I didn't declare bankruptcy and there's nothing wrong with that if that's the best path for you. But we paid off all of that debt, right? Mm. Like it took me 10 freaking years to pay it all off. Um, but we did. And, and it gives me a healthy respect now. I might be a little too frugal. Sometimes I think that's why I splurge the way I do. Um, occasionally I because up, I, you bottle up, bottle it up a bit too much. Yeah. 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 And, and sometimes I also wait for the other, I'm, I'm like, Oh, is the shoe going to drop? Like I've been through so much. What's this next pivot look like? Um, and that's trying to stay present to that and stay in the gain, not the gap. Like you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, right? It's such a great book. Uh, that's actually my book for bigger pockets is the gap in the gate. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's funny nice. you said that. Nice. Yeah. So. It's uh, the universe delivering. Do we have to talk more because I, I'm at this pivot point now. Like I, I, I left the job two years ago. Uh, that was a major pivot point, right thing to do. Like you didn't have like, you know, I had a year's worth of income or uh, expenses, I would say on the sideline, you know, supposed to invest it or whatever, but just, you know, let me go and I didn't have to use it. But as the last few months have gone on, I'm in that same spot now where it's like something feels something feels like there's a, like there's a shift here. Like this, some of the identity I've built doesn't feel like me anymore. It doesn't feel like I should go and where I think I should go. It just fucking doesn't make sense. Yeah. And that's the <laughs> you know? greatest part about it, right? Like it's scary. It's terrifying. I would sit with it, man, in journal, but don't think, don't let your head get too involved. Don't get your heart. Don't let your heart get too involved. Right. Like it's, it's, and I would talk to Sylvia about it, right? Like it's yeah, one of those yeah. things that, sometimes the the scariest things that i've done have have been the best right like jenny hates the cold plunge absolutely freaking hates it right and we have i think i told you this we have two one for the kids and one for for us right so she started on the kids one and she's actually been in mine lately uh which is great Uh, i guess i'll share uh but her her thought process is and we're embracing this in our house too is we do hard things yeah we do hard things. If this is the hardest thing I freaking have to do, life is awesome. So the problem we both have is overly supportive wives. Our wives are in an accountability group together, right? They chat yeah. now. So yeah. it's uh when I wanted to leave the job, a lot of people ask, like, well, what, how did you talk to your wife about it? I'm like, she was talking me into it. And it was like, yeah, but babe, what about this? Like, ah, we'll figure it out, you know? And and I don't know. My wife came from here, uh, not from where we live here. I mean, you've been to Punta Cana, not this here, but like, you know, the Dominican you think about here. And so for her, you know, she's, she's lived with quote unquote, nothing materially, but was happy. And it was like, we'll figure it out. You know? So there's that, uh, there's that desire to do what you did heavily in me right now, bet on me, go all in on me, invest in me. And I always talk about that. I've always invested in me, but there's always been this sort of pragmatic hedge against, you know, uh, having any material decline in my life. And that's my ego probably getting involved, the appearances that I want to make sure I keep up, all of that stuff. But if I go in the direction I think I want to go, there could be, you know, more stress financially if I kind of dial down streams of income to dial up something that I think has more future potential for me and my family. Uh, but man, yeah, you know, it's funny. You've talked about this, but like they say, the when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Like as you're saying it now, it's like, fuck, this is really, right. like I've heard you before, but I didn't hear you before. Right. Does that make well, sense? Yeah, absolutely. And and I'll go back to, 
I believe in you, even if you don't believe in yourself yet. Yeah. Right? So when you have really smart people like your wife talking to you about it, you're like, oh shit, why wasn't I listening? Right. Um, and then yeah, there was right, something right. else I wanted to, and it just left, I should have wrote, wrote it down, but um, yeah, I know I do that all I the agree. time. I agree a hundred percent with that. It's um, yeah. All right. Last two qu quick things. Then we'll wrap up yeah. with uh, with a card game question. I want to hear about partnerships. You talked about it once or twice. I wanted to clean that up. What do you mean by bad partnerships? What have you learned? How's that? What two, three takeaways from getting into partnerships if you ever, ever were to again, yeah. what do you know now that you'll uh, that you'll take with you wisdom wise? Yeah. So I need to take the open, awesome, vulnerable, right? And really lay it out. Um, I have a habit of believing in people more than they can believe in themselves or are capable of getting to, right? Like I can see potential. Um, so I would say for partnerships going forward, definitely more of uh, an analytical side of it, right? Written down processes, procedures, what the expectations are, um, what the exits look like, and actually thinking of it more of a long-term business mm. um, all the way through. Uh, I thought that I had good partnerships, but the communication wasn't good enough or strong enough, um, and expectations weren't set correctly. So I think, I think going forward, if I decide to go down that road, right, uh, it's definitely a lot more crystal, crystal clear situations. Makes sense. No, I, I think that's, you know, like you trusting soul, right? You have a trusting soul as do I. So you just sort of yeah. go with like, it'll work out. It'll be okay. At it'll the end of the day, I'll learn. I'll well, learn if nothing else. You know, it, well, that's the other thing too, is that I don't have necessarily an emotional connection to money anymore. And when I was in the auction business, there was an auctioneer. His name was Steve. I, I don't even know if he's still around. I'm sure he is. Uh, but his thing was when you'd be bidding and you would stop, right? Because his goal is to get you to bid more. He'd be like, hey, man, they print more money every day. And I'm like, and so now in my head, I'm like, ah, oh, they just, it's, it'll be fine. We lose some money. They print more every day. Just got to figure out how to get it. And it's ironic because they do print more money every day. Uh, True. True. Yeah. So it's, we just got to figure out how to get it. So, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. All right. Well, to be honor your time here, let's get to the GoBundance card game question. And this is actually maybe apropos. Crap. What's the most expensive thing other than your home and investments that you've owned? It's not $57 wings. Got to be bigger than no. that. Um, <laughs> that I actually paid retail for or is that the I, item that, yeah. Oh, oh, you mean like the value of it? Yeah. Go with it. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a, pre you're going to laugh at this one because uh, it's going to come out of right field. Uh, I have a pretty extensive coin collection um, that I got out of, so I, I don't have a lot invested into it. And it's, I don't know, it's probably mid six figures, um, that I got out of storage units. So I was a hobbyist, oh, uh, coin collector for a while. Uh, and yeah, it was probably, that'd probably be my, uh, yeah. All right. What about your biggest purchase cash outlay or finance? Uh, you know, it's fun. I go abundance actually. Makes sense. Yeah. I, I would say, I would say probably go abundance. Um, or if you add in the travel to hang out with some of the people I'm trying to hang out with, right. That, sure, sure. That's definitely been a, a pretty expensive thing. Um, but yeah, I don't spend a lot of money on myself anymore. I used to have crazy shoes called Bapes, uh, that were like 
$1,500, a pair. Wow. But I would get them for like 50 bucks, a hundred bucks because it was before anybody knew what they were. So it's like, yeah. uh, um, you but you're I, a trendsetter. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, I like kid looking things, I guess. Um, that childish spirit in my, in myself that I try to, to nourish, if you will. I love it. I love it. Where can people learn more about you? Propnetics, Connect for Home, we didn't even really get to, but where can people learn more about you? Where do you want them to follow or go to what website yeah, or handle, so, whatever it might be? Yeah, so it's funny. I actually just set up an Instagram, so I've got like no followers so and no posts. Uh, but Facebook's probably the best place for me. Uh, Instagram is Eric Quinn 929 super original. I was copying David Green there. Uh, <laughs> and uh, probably Facebook is, is probably the best places for me. And then propnetics.com is the brokerage. Propnetics.com. Got it. Brother, I appreciate you. As always, I'll see you in a couple months, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I'll actually see you next month in Austin or whenever that is. Oh, yeah. 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 That's April. Then, right, two months. Yeah. Yep. And then yeah, uh, and then after that, you'll be here in May. Yeah. Yeah. We're, I think we're going down for 10 days or so. I'll have to look at the calendar. So yeah, we'll, we'll hook good. up. We'll figure out. Our wives, thankfully, they can take That's, care of that stuff. Too, exactly. So. Cool. All right, buddy. <laughs> Love you, man. All right, brother. Thank you. Love you.